Who I was listening to talk about how something weird happened with time during the pandemic to where every day feels like a week now. Is that how we've hit the season premiere of American Dad season 18? I don't know. Because when I found out that there were 18 seasons of American Dad, I definitely felt like I escaped into some sort of time warp. (laughs) That's nuts. Cartoons really last i didn't realize they were still making american dads never mind that they no, had made 18 to 17 previous seasons of them well i mean i might have guessed there were a lot of years of it if i had known they were still making it but um i i don't remember hearing from that show in the last decade so no no like, have you ever heard anyone talk about it it's very never, not once i i saw the promo during basketball and i was like what <laughs> and i'm not necessarily the most reliable memory person but um no, no recollection of anyone ever mentioning that show to me. At least, at least not since it came out. You know Wait, what I mean? And isn't it on Fox? Uh, well, apparently, new episodes are on TBS, so I guess Interesting. not. Interesting. So I think it was on Fox at some yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So maybe it's ch- it has changed networks in its almost twenty year run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Family Guy got passed around a little bit, right? I feel I like I have no idea. I don't know. I really disengaged with like live television programming a long time ago. Well, certainly animated live television programming, I feel like is yeah, yeah, not not your bit. You know what I found out actually? I was reading this uh, article um, about uh, Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we talking about Ted Lasso this week? Not really, but we could. No, okay. Um, and how it's not quite as popular in the UK as it is. In America, and one of the big reasons that they said is that uh, people don't stream over there as much. Like they're kind of all still on the cord. Over really? There. Yeah, which uh, which I was kind of surprised about. I'm not like like they have Netflix and Amazon Prime and, right. and Apple, but they just the the penetration isn't quite the same. And their TV is well. I mean, the thing about British TV is it's always been pretty commercialist anyway. So maybe if you have a DVR and you can skip, because their their ads are really just station promos that, that run between shows for the most part. That's really don't like businesses don't do television advertising there. Not much, or if they do, again, it's like between episodes of stuff. Man, At that least sounds- that's what I remember it being like from you know two thousand four or whatever that I was <laughs> living there for a few months. I feel like. I feel like there were commercials last time I watched British TV, but uh, admittedly, it's been uh, I haven't done that a ton. So well, I, I mean, know. certainly, oh. I would imagine there are some halftime commercials for something like soccer, but I, but they're ra- like commercials in general are rarer. 
Because remember, much of TV, or at least certainly the origins of British TV is government-owned. So, I don't know. Um, anyway. <laughs> I, I think the anyway. point of this was <laughs> Ted Lasso isn't as well-watched there. But I don't know. It's also kind of a distinctly American show in a way, isn't it? Even though it takes place in Britain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say it has some distinctly American qualities. I don't know. This guy was really fixated on the part that, like, that they they say things like parking lots instead of car parks, and therefore Brits won't want to watch it, which I find to be kind of a sad commentary about Brits. The British <laughs> people say that. Yeah, like that if like that if they're if they if if they can't wrap their arms around some uh, American phrasing, even in the show set in Britain. Um, I don't know. That seems weird to me. It seems well, weird. You're hung up in parks, are you? And well, lifts. But it would and, it would be weird if there was a show starring a British guy who came to America and all the Americans were saying car park. Yeah, it would be a little weird, but not so like, would it be enough to make you go, oh, fuck this? That seems a little weird. Not necessarily, extreme. but... but <laughs> But if it's if it was if it was symptomatic of you know the show getting a lot of local stuff wrong, it might annoy me enough to not want to watch. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, but they don't get a lot of local stuff wrong. I think, at least from what I can tell. So it's yeah, just, well, I, I hadn't noticed the car park to... bit. So maybe I don't know. Whatever. I'm not. I, I couldn't care less if British people watch it. If, if we're totally frank, <laughs> also true, right? Because they're missing out, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Okay. Tough, tough bit for them, and so be it. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> you want to? Should we stay in TV while we're here? Sure. Um, I am very curious uh, for your take on Swarm. Uh, okay. So let's start with I've only watched two episodes because. You know, last night on the later side, when I considered watching the third, I was like, I don't think I can put that in my head before bedtime. Um, that doesn't seem like th something I want to do. <laughs> it's creepy uh, entirely. And, and in two episodes, nothing really scary per se has necessarily happened, but it's gruesome and creepy. And it... <laughs> Well, there haven't been any huge jump scares, I guess, is what I mean. Or, like, super horror-y. But there's been some death, obviously. And definitely some insanity. Um, and some sociopathy, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's certainly interestingly done. I don't know quite what to make of it. Uh... So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like you're in the same place that I am, um, in that it this it, it it makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yes, I read uh, an article where someone said like, or not even someone. I believe it was Donald Glover was quoted as basically saying like, he did not give any helpful as a, like a director and creator of the show. Um, character advice to Dominique Fishback and just kind of was like, yeah, you know, that's just, it's all kind of crazy. Go nuts. <laughs> Basically. I, I, yeah. 
Well, that's what, like, is is her character supposed to be on the spectrum? I don't know what her character is supposed to be. I mean, it seems to be a, if not the fundamental question of the show, is like, what, pray tell, is this woman, like, what's going on with her? Because from the beginning, but well, but is she like just a born sociopath who's always been like this? Because obviously there's some animosity between and and when they first started talking about it i thought that chloe bailey we got the right bailey this time not the little mermaid but her sister um it seemed to me like they were saying they were like actual sisters and certainly when dominique fishback's character talks about it she makes it sound like they are actual sisters but then when she tries to go to the I guess slight spoiler alert when she tries to go to the funeral, the family doesn't want her there and we don't really get anything on that, but there's clearly something going on. If they're not either, they are real sisters and that's her actual family or they're not real sisters. And that's crazy. Um, but is and there's she, lots of little weird details like that where things don't quite add up. That's I feel right. Like. And is she just like, a really sad, lonely person who snapped or is she just a person who's always been a murderous psychopath? You know, that's uh, something that's hard to answer from what we've seen. Yeah. and I, But is that a question that you really want to explore? I'm not, I'm not sure what my appetite for that is exactly. Yeah, neither am I. I mean, as everything <clears throat> Donald Glover has done for a very long time uh, could, could, it, it could be said for, it is beautifully shot and at least moderately interesting in its bizarre nature, but it is also like very horror-y and a specific genre and style that I'm not necessarily excited about in general as a premise. And yeah, like it seems like this is like Donald Glover trying to make a Jordan Peele movie almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't want to be that dismissive because, like, it may be that in the end Donald Glover is just as good at that thing as Jordan Peele, but I will say I have not seen Nope or Us because it's just not my type of shit generally. And I right. saw Get Out, and I get that he's very good at this style of film, and I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled for people who are into that, <laughs> I guess, is where I... I would say if this was if this was be closer to us, I would think maybe than than get out. Not that that distinction will mean anything to you. Um, uh, it does to a degree mean something to me, just in that get out while certainly of the horror genre is more of an elevated take that's less about horror and more about just making an interesting movie that you know would broadly be defined in that genre, right? Uh, not unlike something like the menu, whereas us. And I think in this case, Swarm are things that are more specifically horror. Yeah, I don't know. That's the other kind of side of this is like, I I think you will know. And I'm going to try to state this position clearly because I'm talking on the internet, essentially. And, and, and uh, I, I'm veering into dangerous internet territory by even bringing this up. Um 
But, you know, I have long, while having, uh, I don't know, a, a deep amount of appreciation and respect for the talent of Beyonce, mm. um, you know that I have long sort of had the problem with the tyrannical nature of her discourse around her. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Where I feel like. I don't uh, think that's an uncommon opinion. Yeah, I don't, you know. But, you know, like I said, it's it's, it's dangerous, dangerous work to criticize. It. Now, we've created a show that I think really is sort of exploring that phenomenon a little bit where it's – I mean, it's quite literally – it's very obvious who Nija, you know yes. what I mean, real-world equivalent is. It even sounds and, like her when you hear some Nija. Yeah, and there's one point where she's like, Nija has 26 Grammys. Like, you know what right. I mean? Where it's like, okay, I think we know what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, and – you know, so to me, like a show that would sort of lean into that kind of thing, menu style, seems like it would be really appealing. And I think some of that's right. happening here, but it's not, I don't know. It's it not seems point. more focused on just like, for lack of a better term, observing this woman's insanity than it is on any sort of like thematic punch. Yeah, but I mean, even just look, just calling it swarm and the buzzing and the, you know what I mean? Um, no, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I mean, I think that that certainly is um, beyond suggested. It's it's downright elucidated in the, you know, naming of things and create like everything about the creation, the idea here, right? Yeah. Is fundamentally I mean, about Beyonce and her fans. But you, the the one you watched too, right? So in the second one, that's the one where she's like kind of in the she's she's dancing in the strip club, right? But like yes. badly. Yes. But then okay. goodly by the end. Right. 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 Okay. So but you haven't seen the one where uh they the, uh break down on the side of the road where they get a flat uh flat tire. Yeah, no, I saw that. Strippers. Okay, you did. Okay. But I don't maybe there's more on it. That, but like in that right, you know, like she's specifically sort of avenging someone who said something mean about her <laughs> on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, right, right, yeah, yes, no, agreed. Uh, but what I'm saying is, like, those things do not seem to be really philosophically explored so much as just like all the events of the series are very clearly about that, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And and what what's focused on is honestly more just the psychopathy. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, there's enough Glover stuff here. Yeah, <laughs> yep. you know what I mean. That, that I keep coming back, and yet it's not like a I bad said, time. It's, um, it, but it is a, a deeply uncomfortable time. Like I yeah. I cringe a lot of it. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's not like. Right, it's not miserable or bad in any way. It's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even gotten to Rory Culkin's penis. Oh, are, do we? Are we going to look at that? <laughs> we going to take a look at that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, it's sort of, you can't really help taking a look at it at some point. You know what I mean? So. Oh no! Wait, no, I did see some of that. That's yeah, right. Sure I did, did see that sure scene. Did. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And I'm that sure honestly <laughs> that 
that was one of the jokes that I think worked for me. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> that like it was funny and yet also deeply uncomfortable. I deeply like. uncomfortable. But but it, but one of those that's one of the it, it was like it it not only was it just a, you know, funny idea, but it it I th- I thought it was a meaningful moment in that it reflected like a level of comfort that he seemed to have that was totally inappropriate. Yeah. I don't know that that's the thing about this show is like as crazy as Dominique Fishback clearly is like a lot of what's happening everywhere seems to be totally insane. So it's hard to, I don't know. It, yeah. Maybe and it's like, like her, the character's relationship to sexuality is almost, is like bizarre almost, you know what I mean? Extremely bizarre. Well, especially right by the end of the second episode, it's hard to understand exactly what's going on as, as far as that goes. But I don't know. Maybe what's happening here is we are just discussing like a quarter of a jigsaw puzzle without knowing what the other three quarters look like. Yeah. Yep. Which, you yep. know, um, might so, be unfair. So, I don't know. There's not much like this on television. I That's don't, I for sure. Idea if it's any good or not. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm again, yeah. I wouldn't say it's bad. Like, it's I not like either. I wanted to turn it off. It's just not a thing I'm necessarily excited or focused on turning back on as soon as possible. It like, when I think about watching it, it's like, oof, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it is really intense. And I I don't know, like I, I don't know. I think I'm most interested in just hearing what other people think about it. Right. Uh, And seeing, seeing how, seeing how the general response is before you get to any more time. That might be wise. Uh huh. Uh huh. For sure. Uh, all right. Um, lucky Hank. Um, I, I don't have a ton to say about this one because I did feel like it was, you know, it's a piloty. It's the first episode. Um, what would you say this show is about if you had to like tell someone who was like, you were like, Oh, you know, have you seen this lucky Hank? And they were like, no, what's that? I would say middle-aged malaise is what I would say the show is about. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would say this academia has, uh, historically for for my money anyway been a rife and and potent canvas for the exploration of um middle-aged mediocrity so i'm i'm not not on board but like i would i would uh metaphorically give this show a nice sturdy pat on the ass and say let's get going yeah i mean i sort of hope that it is Less a send up of academia and more of a just sort of uh, using well, that as a vehicle for the for the because I do think the I do think the characters in the English department are 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 fairly interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't yes. mind spending time with that group of weirdos well, and, and their and you know their particular problems. I I I thought of this and this is how I would put it. It is like there's a difference between a basically i mean i was gonna say office dramedy or comedy but you could just really say sit sit situation comedy or dramedy that happens to exist in an academic environment and a show that is about academia right right so it's just gonna be like well kids are really sensitive nowadays and you gotta watch what you say we've seen too much of that 
right? Yeah. So we don't need another it's show. Not a, it's not an interesting that. take. <laughs> if it is, if it is, let's take a look at what happens when this particular group of characters is thrown together, and they just happen to be at a university where, uh, you know, it, it is of such a level that it's making this man feel very mediocre. <laughs> um, then I'm in. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And Bob Odenkirk does a very good, uh, pensive and and you know wry and funny mediocre. Yeah, didn't forget, didn't forget how to act. No, but Odenkirk, and it's like uh, I think it's interesting that like uh, Dietrich Bader is just sort of settled into the uh, uh, um, the wise friend of the main character role. Uh huh. <laughs> like it's a good sweet spot for him. Yep. Yep, just hangs out, hangs out, has has some funny lines and some decent advice on it's a million. Pretty shows. funny, yeah. Yep, yep. Speaking of um, dudes who are always pretty funny, uh, were you a Scrubs fan? I was, yeah. So I'm sure you were as delighted as I was when the janitor from Scrubs showed up on Shrinking. Not unsurprisingly, given the provenance of Shrinking, but still. Um, yes. Yeah. No, it's always great <laughs> to, to see Scrubs folks. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, that whole world. Uh, um, I'm excited for that. And I think Zach Braff has been directing some of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's I finished it uh, last night and it's just it was just great. Just a great season of television. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to get that kind of Bill Lawrence one two punch with with, uh, you know, Episodes yeah. of shrinking into into lasso. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. all right. Uh, I think we can probably get to Chang can dunk fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed this. I found it to be sweet and winning, and you know, it's not great by any means, but um, I thought it was a, a good time. I like. I was. I, I was think this is a fan, a fantastic movie via which to discuss the question of, um what you just said, uh, which is it's not great by any means. And I guess my question would be, what separates this movie from greatness? Oh, that's a good... <laughs> I mean, some some of it is just ambition. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's ever attempting to be great. It's They're making a kid's movie. You know what I mean? Well, um, like a teen's movie, right? Where, teen's so movie. so yeah. there's a line there. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's true. But can it not be a great teen's movie like if you were going to make a teen dramedy that got into aspects of race and ethnicity and culture and had a love story and a basketball story and a mentorship story and a difficult parent story could you do it better than what they did because it really packed all that shit in there, man. And yeah. look, look, was it cheesy at times? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that maybe that's it. Maybe that's just the it. Like, I think you probably could do it a little bit better than what they did. And maybe if it was just, if you just turn the cheese down 25% that you get there. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I think, but I do think that level of cheesiness is like, that's, that's what, like, now we're talking about a PG-13 movie. <laughs> Right, and you also need that. You need some of that level of cheesiness to market the movie. I feel yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And it was not like at you know it. It was not as obvious in its cheesiness as it could have been. How about that? Yeah, um, I would say generally speaking, this is like 
pretty perfect execution of the goal. Yeah. You know, the other thing that struck me is like, I just feel like there was no way this movie would exist when you and I were young. That this just it's one of those stories well, that just wouldn't have been told. You how, know what I mean? Um how how well you're absolutely right, first of all. How I I guess what I'm wondering is how much is it even told now? Like was this movie in theaters? Um is it, it was is not. It, so, just, right. so is this the equivalent of like a Disney Channel show when we were young? Because if so, like, no, they still probably were not telling like good, good, well, well put together Asian stories at that time. But I do think that happens earlier than the mainstream, right? Um, yeah. The the sort of Disney Channel or Disney Plus version. Uh, for what it's worth. So we're still not where we probably should be. But no, for that reason and many others, I really have nothing negative to say about Chang Kanduk. No, no, nor do I. Other, you know, I mean, I feel like anything negative I've sort of already said. Like, yeah, it's a little cheesy. But other than yeah. that, like, really, like, I was genuinely moved by it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I and watching. genuinely entertained. So, <laughs> some some genuinely funny moments. Um, and And all of those sort of tropish things that I describe that this that that this movie essentially is at its core are all like executed well and believably right like the the mentorship the difficult relationship with his mom so the like training montages are some tremendous work in this film um I don't know just everything is done so well it is not it is not in ambition more than you expect it to be but for what it is, it's excellent. Yeah. Uh, and I also want to shout out uh, Zoe Renee. I don't, I've never seen her in anything. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Maybe I, maybe she was in a Hunger Games movie that maybe I did see her in. I don't oh, know. Oh, was she the little girl who gets killed? I think so. I don't know. Whoa. Her, I think her <laughs> name's like Rue or something. Yeah. But What's I thought, the girl's uh, name? Rue is, it, I don't think she was Rue. Hold, hold on. Let me What's say. the actress? Um, her name is Zoe Renee. Uh, so I assume that's really her on the drums and it is, um, it's impressive. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> she's great at the drums. I just thought it was, a, she was, a, it was a really winning performance. I think I felt like, yes, um, she was cool. Um, uh, anyway, uh, I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit and I don't know. Good for Disney, man. Oh, she's going to be in the so. new hunger games. Gotcha. Oh, it's upcoming Hunger Games. You're right. So yeah. I guess I have not seen her in that. Take yeah. it back. Hmm. Um, so good for her. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yep. Just very, very, very fun and nice and happy. Good yep. times. All right. Uh, <laughs> you ready to talk about uh, – should we get to the challenge for this week? Yeah, let's do it. Um. This is a fun, fun episode because we got ourselves a Wes episode. Yeah. Um, do you just do this thing? Me, it it does it does occur to me that like Wes may be at a disadvantage in this global competition because of his hair. And I don't know if this is something that you're sensitive to as as uh, semi ginger. I have I some ginger traits as well. No, I'm, I said semi ginger. I didn't call you a ginger. I don't. I don't I, like. This is a common misperception. I'm Jewish. There's no. There's no ginger in Judaism. I have ginger hair. What are you talking? To my aunt, who is definitely Jewish, has ginger hair, for sure. 
Yeah, uh, but I like. All right, sure. There might be gingers, but they're not me. Anyway, okay. Fair um, <laughs> I'm sorry to lump you in, but like, there's a real bias against those in England and Australia, right? Like, people think true? gingers aren't trustworthy over there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if and I feel like he's suffering from that in this game a little bit. And like, it's literally something that is spoken about, right? Like, I don't trust that ginger, you know? Well, but I think that's a thing people say here, too. And it's more of a joke, right? I don't know that that's real. No, I think they're serious real? about it over there. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> but isn't, aren't like some of the royals gingers? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that's, yeah, it, I think it comes up. So huh. I don't know. Because, okay. you know, like, uh, not to get too far into the royals, right? But, like, right, the, Please. you know, Diana was supposedly having an affair with right, right. with the ginger, you know. So that's also good. Also gets back to the, anyway. Um, so you're yeah, saying gingers things. were just another group of oppressed people that Diana was, uh, you know, caring for. Standing up for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do wonder if Wes is going to be a little bit of a target. I mean, look, Wes certainly has his own He's reputation. West. Yeah, what's for the difference? <laughs> so, but they sure don't seem to like him, right? Well, like some he's of those someone. Guys, I don't know. Wes is certainly someone with whom, when when another person says about them, "I don't trust that ginger." It's impossible to know if that's about him being a ginger or them being aware of his past behavior. <laughs> Um, it is interesting. I do think because this is like it's clear. It's pretty clear that the MVPs, if you will, all watch the show, right? Like they have some idea of who these legends are. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, to a degree, anyway. Well, you'd be right. an idiot and not it, to watch some of it as you were preparing. But it it also sort of occurs to me, and maybe maybe I don't know. Do we know when this season was filmed? I'm pretty sure it was after the season we just watched. But probably before the season we just watched aired, I'm guessing, right? Before it I think, aired, yes, and before the reunion. Yeah, because I think if you had seen this last season, if you're Danny and you had seen this last season, you know what I mean? Like, your thoughts about whether Tori would be willing to say Jordan's name, you know what I mean, are like – you're you're very certain that that's not happening, and you're probably maybe a little bit more understanding of why that might be. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine just the if 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 Tori had sort of gone along with their plan and they had kind of taken a shot at Jordan, like the emotionally fraught conversations that would have occurred after that, right? Well, you know what I mean? Based on last season, he should know that anyway, and I think he does know that. I just don't understand why he's taking it personally. It is a little weird. I mean, um, look, I I understand his point about like, hey, you're my partner in this game, and I want to feel like I'm your number one, and I can't do that when this other guy's around. Well, you know what but, I mean? I get that. But, but that is the thing I think might change if he had seen the season, right? Is like just because she doesn't want to start a, an emotional whirlwind in episode three doesn't mean – you're not her number one as her partner. Like she's a pretty good partner to someone besides Jordan in the last season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I like that is where to me, he is being overly paranoid about a thing that he should just understand is uh, an inevitable matter of emotions affecting the game. Yeah. Um, 
to me, the problem here, by the way, isn't it like with Devin in this mix would be great. It would be so good. But the problem here for me is like Sarah is so Sarah is like strategic to a point where it feels like she's in like a not even B, but C action spy. (laughs) I didn't take many notes this week, but one of my notes is. Man, these Survivor people are plotting motherfuckers. They're so busy. They're so goddamn busy. And Sarah, in particular, is so sure of herself and has has a cockamamie idea about everything. And I think sometimes the result is a very clever strategy that gives a, an interesting and useful result. You know, yeah, like, like I don't want to get too down on it because I mean, how many seasons have we been on where we're where we're like, why are these rookies just letting this happen? just letting themselves get picked off one by one. And, and, and I do see that these MVPs are sort of determined not to just cede control of the game, which I well, think is smart, it, but yes, there, but level of complexity to the thinking here that just seems to be unnecessary. That, and that's what Sarah seems to be missing is that there is an MV, there is one MVP and one friggin' you know superstar or whatever legend on every team so there's no real opportunity for an mvps versus legends showdown like she is just like everyone with the team argentina team england nonsense those things are imaginary yeah. What is yep. real is you are on a team with a partner. I mean, not completely imaginary, because pretty clearly the Argentinians are getting picked off one by one. That is not because they're Argentinian. <laughs> it's because they're bad at the game. <laughs> yes. That's correct. They are clearly the worst teams there. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. The other team that's getting thrown in every time is the other perceived and i think accurately so worst team there it just so happens that they're english because kellyanne got picked last by a guy who flopped in the opening challenge of course they're perceived as the weakest and they are they have been thrown in literally at every opportunity so i'm not by the way i'm not entirely sure tristan or kellyanne is that weak you know what i mean so it's well um, relative to what though relative to what because look at who is there Right now, to me, I would say they are almost obviously the weakest available team. So, mm, you know, mm, let me hold on. I need to, I need to scan my available teams. You've got. I'll tell you. You I might as well read them out. Um, I'm going to start with the, the ones that don't seem like options for weakest: Grant and John A, Zara and Wes. Ben and Casey, Kaz and Jordan, Danny and Tori, Justine and Bananas. Um, yeah, but then all right, then, so- it's, then it's Kiki and Darrell. I would definitely mm-hmm. take them. Uh, Benha and Jody obviously is one of the, um, you know, <laughs> uh, Argentinian teams. Uh, Rodri and, Troy, and Naya. Troy, well, they're gone. Right, so, I know. So it's Troy, it's Troy and Amber, right? That's um, I guess, but I, Amber's a champion, and Troy was like super yeah. nimble during the. You know, I don't the, know, that, right? But Tristan won his season, right? 
of of you know what I mean. So I don't like I don't know. I like yeah, but somebody like, Darrell won- is Darrell. I mean, look, I have a ton of respect for Darrell, but not a ton of respect for Kiki necessarily. I don't really know what's happening there. And Darrell, well, but I mean. Ben Ha you know, and Jody. Face of his of his challenge existence at this point. First like, of all, Kiki won an elimination. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're probably right. They're probably the weakest team. Yeah, I mean Ben Ha. It's either Ben Ha and Jody. Not for the uh, ones em- that have gone home, I should say. Exactly. Because right? I, yeah, Emily is a, an Olympian, and yes, has has a championship. Troy, like I said, showed pretty well in th- that first challenge. Is determining a lot of what they think about each other, right? Yeah. And then the first elimination, Kiki won it. I don't I don't think there's really any doubt that Kellyanne and Tristan and Ben Ha and Jody are the two bottom of the totem pole teams. It doesn't mean they couldn't beat somebody on a good day because again, the talent here Yeah, there's not a lot of weakness in these, no. in these teams. <laughs> there's just yeah, there's really nowhere to go. So I that's why I think it's been a little bit obvious. You know, obviously, so far, the last place team has gone home, right? I mean, yeah, it the, it, yeah. the, the one exception, right? Except uh, when? No, well, I the think one that- exception is the men because the, the, the English guy disqualified medically. Oh, so right. There was no men's elimination that first week, but Claudia finished in last place in the opening challenge and got sent home. Yeah. Um, so. That this, you know, in terms of like clearly weak, I think Naya and Rodri were the last team because Rodri was beat up and old. Um, I really like Rodri. I'm sad I did he's too. But anymore. he, he but was literally right. but, saying, I'm trying to dance with these people to get them to keep me here. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I can't argue with anything you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so, and Huhui was also a clear weak spot, right? But now. You know, Ben Ha seems pretty nimble, and Jody is pretty good. Kellyanne can can definitely has her strengths, and Tristan won his season. Like, there are no weak teams left. Period. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. I mean, right? That's, that's what they did, right? It's a lot of champions in these games. You know what yep. I mean? Even even the legends that don't have titles that are left now, like like say Theo, right? Like, sure, he's Theo's a, a monster. Yeah, yeah. And his partner won last season, so. Exactly. <laughs> Right, like it's yeah, there's scary groups uh, yep. that are left, which is why I think we we could be headed towards a, a fascinating season as this thing. Now uh, that we're starting to separate a little bit of weed from chaff, you know. Agreed. Who you got right now? Who's who's the who's the scariest team in your mind? You know, I mean, look, if I had to pick favorites. I still my top three teams are 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 going to be Danny and Tori, Grant and John A, and Zara and Wes. But if I had to say like the scariest team you're not thinking about, Ben and Casey is packing a lot of heat, man. Yeah, see, I They're, think I have uh, I have them over Grant and John A. That's fair um, for my top three. But I, I, I will say they are both really agreeable easygoing people which goes a long way in a house filled with like alpha psychopaths right yeah and they're both you know really strong physical competitors as well 
Um, so and like, not afraid to plot when it comes down to not it, afraid right? to plot, but but yeah. but never seem like aggressive or malicious in doing it. Right? They're both like subtle, smart schemers who are pretty damn good at everything. Like it's just an incredibly well-rounded team. Not honestly, not totally unlike. I mean, very different people, but in terms of well-roundedness, not totally unlike what we saw from Devin and Tori in the last season. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say people are sleeping on them uh because clearly danny uh and a couple others were very concerned about them oh yeah um but kaz and jordan i think could be a pretty formidable team too and no one is talking about emily and yes and i and when you're talking about uh, yes who is kind of the sneakiest winner you know what i mean yeah um he also won of, the uh, least competitive season in the history of the challenge yeah fair enough fair enough but he also won the season that you know I guess it wasn't the most competitive when he was winning the regular challenge, too. No. Um, but he's a winner. That guy's a winner. He is a winner, he, and he is good at stuff. stuff. Right. And he's paired with an Olympian. You know what I mean? And no doubt. What he's talking about them. So Well, but again, like Sarah and Theo, same thing. Like Sarah, yeah. for all her overdone scheming, is pretty good at the scheming part and definitely like a top, what, three physical competitor on the female side, I would say. Um Definitely, there's some uh, tough. There's some tough ladies. <laughs> there are, but but Sarah's a force to be reckoned with, right? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know, man. That like, it is it is highly competitive, and and I don't think this gate. Like, I think this Gates of Hell challenge kind of showed that. Like the yeah. first, couple, I really like the challenge too. It by was the a way. really good one. It's purely physical, you know. Yes, and the first few rounds were like highly competitive, top to bottom. Yep. For sure, for sure. Good, t- good challenge today. Nice, nice job, producers. Yeah, and and I, that was it. Was a pretty fun elimination too. Just a generally good episode all around. I thought, um, and one that that you know I do think eliminated the last obvious weak team. Yeah. Do you know anyone in your life anywhere uh, who has almost died from vaping? No, man. That was shocking. I don't know. Like, I, I almost feel like, feel like need to explore that more, honestly. Yeah, like, what was she doing? How much was she vaping? Yeah, that was wild. Did she have like that COPD that you see the commercials for sometimes, or like what happened there? I need to know more about this. Um, yeah, man, it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What All I could think about when they started showing that was like, oh no, Nia's going home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So. And she, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, correct. I don't. She she took a lot of blame. I don't know that she was the weak spot there, but but she wasn't certainly a particularly strong spot. So, um, you know, it it is what it is. They they we we really <laughs> we saw the people who were uh, you know on the fringes of defining legends, and and also uh, on the fringes of you know prior experience have been eliminated yeah quickly yeah surprisingly emotional when she left i thought you know yeah she's an emotional lady though we do know that that's true that's true uh she's on the official pod this week and it says talking about her health so maybe i will uh all right maybe we'll learn more about the uh the vaping scare (laughs) so weird (laughs) it is weird i don't want to minimize her health concerns but like no no yeah like we hope we're glad you're okay and we hope that continues but like i said i've i need to know more Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right should we move on to top chef 
I you do, have like challenge stuff. I have a couple lines of the week. Oh, good. Um, good. One from Naya, who said, "Como se dice, we ain't fucking leaving." <laughs> yeah, that was mine. <laughs> and then Rosary said some uh, some very flowery thing that wasn't exactly that, but uh, also. Wes had two for me that that were honorable mention lines of the week. One was uh, just when he was once again describing his own greatness, saying, like, I think people know I will run head on into a motherfucker if I need to. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, he also said as soon as the elimination was starting, you know, both of the teams were Argentinian technically, so they were wearing the same color shirts and he said let's go team gray i got you <laughs> i didn't you know what i heard him say that and i did not pick up on that they were both wearing the same color shirts that is yep All yeah right. um yep. and then i also just two other notes that uh one i have no idea what it's about but but it plays into what we already talked to about sarah i just wrote down at some point what is sarah even talking about <laughs> um Yep. And then uh, I just thought one of the funny scenes of this and, it, you know, not particularly memorable because it was right at the beginning of the episode and it didn't end up being a huge factor. Uh, was Tristan just sort of describing to his British friends the absurdity of his situation with Kellyanne <laughs> being like, you know, I'm meant to be the newbie here. And I'm out here trying to put out all the fires that my crazy ass supposedly legend partner is starting all over the house. (laughs) And I'm trying to tell her, like, can we just take it down a notch? But she's not hearing me. And just like it was I thought that was a really funny moment. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I it's one of those where you can really sympathize. You know what what he's saying is 100 percent correct. 100 (laughs) percent true. (laughs) So, <laughs> and she's upset very specifically about stuff that is like very newbie stuff to get upset about like how dare yeah. my friend make a strategic choice that didn't help me right 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 100 percent, 100 percent. like i don't know if you saw the look on her face when you know wes when wes had yet to make it apparent which person he was picking you know right. what i mean right but oh god, it was scary. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it was this weird, like scary smile. Right, like, <laughs> and she like tilts her head a little bit. It's very yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that because I was like, oh god, <laughs> just don't come on, Wes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So frightening. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that happened. But I, her days on the show are clearly numbered. Yeah, right? like there's just yes. she's not yeah, more than. You know, three, four more episodes, there's no way. Well, and that's the other thing about Kellyanne is, like, while we could debate her actual abilities in this game, and there are people that we could potentially put her ahead of if we were ranking competitors individually, right? Yeah. Her abject insanity and, like, constant need to participate in dramatics makes her a liability. So anybody that would protect her is afraid about working with her because of the crazy stuff she does. Yeah. Yeah. Except Wes. So, Wes sort of seems like he's kind of like. has a level of, like, sympathy and, you know, old uh, friendship and feeling towards her that, uh, you know, is nice. But ultimately, it won't save her. <laughs> it's not enough to, to save her ass. No. Correct. Correct. 
And I think she ought to know not to really expect it, to be honest. But we'll see. That's what's crazy about a lot of this is, like, she should know by now. You have been around long enough. You have participated in this game enough times. You know these people. Why are you constantly shocked? Yep, 100%. 100%. All right, uh, so on a top chef, no quick fire this week. Uh, as we went straight to the pub, I, I did think it was a an interesting episode that really put a lot of these contestants in a tough spot. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you- pub food fundamentally sucks, right? So, like, <laughs> <You're> right, <laughs> you really have like to elevate pub food is a real ask. And I thought there were a lot of exceptional things that they did before we get to the actual challenge, though. I thought it was interesting how so many of the chefs said something like, I'm no idiot. I'm I'm not getting drunk here. Like, I'm going to sip off this beer they're throwing down our throats because they're not being nice. Like, something is up, right? And the response of the hosts and producers seemed to be, no worries. We're going to shove so much heavy, like, gut stopping food down your throat that you're like half asleep without a single drop of booze. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and a couple people had more than a single drop of booze. Oh, yeah. Then. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody got wasted or anything, but like they, there was some there was enough drinking to have it affect them. And certainly the amount of food that they packed away and just the nature of pub food, it's all gut bombs right like it's just right. yeah i uh i felt sorry for them having to work on that full of a stomach a hundred percent um i don't you know i've i've i, I feel like i've gushed uh, about begonia's talents oh uh, so this uh, is another uh, thing i wanted to ask you because for me as soon as they split up the teams i picked the winners oh you did oh yeah i was like oh well there are two teams that I would definitely favor here and I wrote them down and it was Begonia and Gabri and Buddha and Luciana because I was really oh sorry go ahead well I was just gonna say because with Buddha I know everything's gonna be at a really high level and it's gonna be a really create when it's like a deconstruct a blank if he gets what he wants which he basically did like it's gonna be special and then I just thought Begonia and Gabri made such a perfect sort of sensibility combination that they would come up with something brilliant. Um, yeah. I I felt differently uh, about both of those teams. I mean, I agree with everything you said about Buddha, but the, the, the combination of those two chefs, I didn't know if that was going to work. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and ultimately it did um, because, you know, because, um, you know, because once you put their ego aside, kind of, and just sort of let yeah. Buddha take over. Well, uh, I, I don't, and I think she still very much participated in the design and, and execution of the dish, but she did have to let him replace her mashed potatoes. And I think we can all say it was probably a good thing that she did. Yeah. And I think everyone, yeah, every, it all worked out happy. Yeah. Bego- the That other team, Begonia in particular, I think last week I was like, does she even cook with meat ever? Um, so, like, I just didn't know. Like, I thought the challenge could be so foreign for both of them that they would have a problem. And then, of course, it turned out that they're really good chefs. So, <laughs> so well, that's the thing. Yeah, I think I just I 
ignored many of those concerns, right? Just because I I, I thought like that they made a really good pair. Yeah, even they're a good combo. Yeah, right. I didn't think as much about the specifics on that one, and and I think ultimately, like it came down to them just being really good chefs, right? Like they were the take on the dish was good the the flavors and execution was spectacular yeah i mean it was a pretty elegant looking bangers it and mash. looked incredible <laughs> man yeah <laughs> like so. that wh- whatever it was like onion cracker or whatever that they made like it was like a they like painted it onto some parchment paper and baked it and it looked uh, yeah the whole thing was spectacular and that that was even part of the reaction was like when i saw this it looked nothing like pub food but it really gave me the like an elevated version of the flavors, right? Yeah, yeah. I was also really worried about Victoire. Um, yeah, but uh, but to, I'll tell you what, roll, man, it it's out, the magic of Sylvia. Yep. <laughs> Sylvia is is a much needed presence on the show. Oh I my think. god, she's such yeah. a joy. And that story about like you know helping at the, uh, helping out during the attack from Russia and uh I just I I love I love that accent in a super charismatic friendly person so much cuz it's just such a harsh especially when her her accent's pretty heavy <laughs> like it's so funny to hear such a harsh tone be so cheerful yeah, yeah, she's almost relentlessly cheerful. Yes, but <laughs> I'm so excited to work with you. It's just, <laughs> it's so funny to me. I love it. I love it so much. And she just seems wonderful. Um, and you know, let her get her hands on some potatoes. She's gonna make something special. Yeah, yeah. She clearly, clearly knows how to work with potatoes. I think, think we've established that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I look at. I just. Um, I don't know. I just love how much this show teaches you about food. You know yeah. what I mean? Even yeah. food that's not that great. You know, sure. like. Uh, but I really feel like you, you get into this crash course in in British pub food, and you're seeing yep. these beautiful locations and learning some of the history of these weird ass dishes. Totally, <laughs> that that is fun for me too. Like, just why the hell the British do some of this stuff? I wonder if we'll get a full English breakfast explain, explained to us at some point because that has got to be the weirdest food thing in all of Europe. Um, yeah, I feel like they almost have to do an English breakfast. Yeah. Some the point. Scotch egg is, uh, is a, a close second in terms of weirdest food thing in all of Europe and learning about the provenance of the, the Scotch egg was interesting. I will say it was the worst first draft pick I've ever seen in any draft. And that does include the likes of Michael Olawa candy. Um, I do not understand. I mean, Anthony Bennett, that was, that was a Anthony Bennett level, <laughs> first were, overall draft pick was fish and chips the other thing they were considering is that right yeah and we'll get to that in a second because maybe they would have had the same problem because i think not entirely unexpectedly the thing that that put both of the bottom two in their bottom spot was as often happens on top chef ironically a very basic failure and in both cases on this, and I think, again, like not unpredictably, given the nature of the challenge and, and 
what was involved, it was not getting a good crispy fry. Like, you, you, you chose something that is fundamentally based on being fried to finish it off, and it wasn't crispy. Boom, you're yeah. gone. Right, and like maybe, that's... I don't know. Maybe this is a product of just me being impressed with what they've done on the show to this point. But for whatever reason, I even though they went home because they the scotch egg wasn't crispy enough, I I don't feel like if they had made fish and chips that they would have had that mistake in the fish and chips. Is that I don't, does that make yeah. sense to you? No, of course. You know, of course. I think it was something about the difficulty of trying to get that egg right. Yeah, and still make it crispy on the outside. But also uh, that ultimately like, doomed them. Whatever it is, it is an error. If not a straightforward error, at least an error of a straightforward nature. If that makes sense. Sure, I like, think the uh, the Australian guest judge explained it very well of why yeah. that's a difficult thing to do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, you know, look. Th- the fish and chips isn't entirely different. Like you're trying to get just the right mix of flavor and coverage and crispness into the batter. And it's just that this is, it's a, it's an, it's an error of a very basic nature. And so often on top chef, I think what happens is so much thought and effort goes into all the crazy parts, but it's almost always, a straightforward thing that gets you sent home in the end. Yeah. Well, and look, I think it, the thing about fish and chips is that I think it, it you really do have to put some thought into how you're going to elevate something like that. Cause it's and so they did. And basic. they did a great you know job, I mean? right? Yeah. They did such a great job with all the elevations. I thought, and this is the first thing, honestly, this year that I was like, <laughs> I am just so upset that I'm not, getting to taste that was the malt vinegar french fry yeah because <laughs> like it's, honestly th- there is yeah. something most of most of the dishes are such elevated fine dining that it is hard for me to truly wrap my mind around what it would taste like i can imagine it would be incredible but like i can't half taste it in my mouth because it's totally outside my experience and expertise a malt vinegar French fry sounds so good, and I can half taste it. And if it was blowing the minds of like high level professional chefs, if it was blowing the minds of Buddha's hero, I'm like, I just, my mouth is watering right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I, uh, it's, it's a credit, to, I think, to the quality of the chefs here that like a lot of people that we were talking about last week is like, oh, little. Yep. Crap, we're gonna watch out for these guys. Right in the we're bottom. all sitting on the bottom. Yep. <laughs> this week. So No, I mean uh, I think that was really the the lesson was the entire like other than Buddha, the whole order kind of flipped upside down this week. And it's feels like it could do it every week. It feels like we could have again, kind of other than Buddha and maybe Begonia. I just yeah. look at this and say the whole thing could flip again next week. Any of these people are capable of winning and therefore and look, honestly, Buddha is not above the one cookery mistake that screws you over, right? Like yes. that could happen to anybody. Um 
especially when you consider all the sort of uh, additional variables that Top Chef throws at these these chefs. I it it this is as wide open a competition as I can really think of. I, it would be very hard to make like a top five right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I I, I do think to, I have a top two right now. Right. I think it's pretty clear who they they are. But yeah, uh, filling out those other three, almost anyone on the show could be in those other literally three, anyone. So. Yeah, and yeah. I would include the two chefs who remain uh, eligible in Last Chance Kitchen with that. Correct. Correct. I I think Dale is really good. Um, yes, and I think May so far May's biggest challenge has been like. I don't know what word I should use, but like assimilation. Like, yep. I think had she stood up for herself a little more around the uh, scotch egg pub food process, they might not have been in the bottom. And, you know, like the hardest part of the Welsh rarebit challenge for her seemed to be understanding what the hell a Welsh rarebit was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I other than that played as a disadvantage for Don. I think actually understanding what it was for everyone. I think it was yeah, and, and I I'll I would add like May. You know, we talked about this last week. Last week, May was the star of the show. So anybody from the two last chance kitchen people up through Buddha and Begonia, it feels like anybody could win any given challenge, and you know the opposite side of that is other than Buddha and Begonia, it feels like anybody could lose any given challenge. Yep. Yeah. Next week is, uh, it's going to be a tough episode for me. Yeah. 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 I'm going to just be shouting things at the TV at the time. Cause there's going to be so much Spurs propaganda. I, I saw <laughs> them be like, we're going to Tottenham Hotspur stadium. And I was like, Oh boy. Like the toilet bowl. <laughs> I was like, how is, how is Derek going to handle this? Yeah, it's not good. Not good. Uh, you know, like I think we've talked about before. You won't. You won't even write the word Spurs uh, anymore. You just you you bleep it out like a swear word when you send texts about it. That's correct. And I will only write swear words all the time. The yeah. <laughs> yes. It's the only word I've ever seen you bleep out. To be honest. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes for me. It'd be hard. Because uh, <laughs> I bet you there's a like we're gonna see a a, a spur next week, right? We have to. probably, and that, the, the the worst part about it is like it's gonna be like Harry Kane we're right, right in your there, face, man. You just could have gone to the Emirates; it's right there. <laughs> yeah, don't you want to be with a first place club? But I guess you know maybe right. when this was shot, well, you know they like drama, so there's that's maybe you know Spurs is where you go for the drama. Wow! Wow! Yeah, it's going to be Harry Kane all up in your business or something like that. It is. It is. Or I could see the son smiling around the place doing his little hand gestures. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe son will show him how to celebrate win, winning, you know. You'll love that. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> Rich Arlison comes out and does a bunch of shit hazard. It'll be great. That's the wine of the contestants. <laughs> I am, you know, I am convinced it's going to be guest judge Harry Kane, and we're yeah. just going to lose my shit. Yeah. <laughs> Derek has never been so angry with Top Chef. <laughs> I know they haven't even run the episode yet. <laughs> oh, so bad. All right, <laughs> you ready to do some homework? I am. 
So big shows coming back this week. I mean, I you know I couldn't be more excited for the return of Succession in my life. So very um, exciting. Uh, that's that's a good time. And then to have Yellow Jackets on the same night. I don't, yeah, seems like an error in, ju- in judgment on Showtime's part. I gotta. I admit. don't know, man. Like, I got time for two. Sundays are back, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Look, I, I'm gonna watch them both. You know what I mean? But like. I don't know if you're just trying to, I'm just saying if you're trying to get the buzz going, you know what I mean? I, you're not going to say like no pun intended or anything like that. Oh yeah. Sorry. It was, it really wasn't. That's how not intended it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I'm very excited about both of them. Maybe you're right, but like, what else? Does it really matter if they aired on a Tuesday instead? I don't know. It'll, it'll either get watched or it won't. You can watch yellow jackets right now. I believe if you were, what? If you engage with Showtime online, I do believe it's already up. So, oh, oh my, oh my. <laughs> there okay. you go. Good to know. <laughs> All right. Uh, elsewhere, uh, we're gonna watch a show called Rabbit Hole. That's key for Sutherland show, right? Correct. On, uh, Paramount, on Paramount Plus. Plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's doing another spy thing because that's what you call Keith for Sutherland when you need a spy. Yeah, but I'm down. Like, I think yeah, it's sure. a pretty different spy than. Um, Spies past, if you will. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. No problem. Um, and then I wrote that big deal. Is that it? Are we watching Big Deal? Yeah, that's the. Oh, that's the. Um, that is the Apple Plus show, right? Where um, people it's are living called, up to their potential. It's called. Um, or is it Big Door Prize? Big is that Door what it Prize. Is? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I wrote dumb. Big the deal. Big Door Prize. Yeah. It's Chris Chris Dowd. Um, and yeah. You described the other part. There's a machine. Yeah. So I don't know the, if you've seen the trailer before an Apple show. It looks it looks very interesting. So um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Can't be any weirder than Swarm, right? Um. No. No. <laughs> it, it, it can't. Uh, I. Uh, we also have, I guess, before the next time we talk, right before. There's gonna be a uh, a new baseball season starting. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, baseball is back. Yeah, you you care about baseball, or you wait until later to do that? <laughs> it, I would not say it has my full attention at this point. Yeah, your team could, uh, could be pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I am. I mean, I think that's how it goes, right? With baseball now, like you don't. No one's a baseball fan anymore. They just like their team, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, and maybe. then they follow the right. They follow baseball through their team, and that's kind of where I'm at, where I'd be keeping an eye on the Braves for, um, you know, and 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 then soaking up whatever comes their way. And that's kind of the prism through which I will watch baseball. Yeah, that adds up. That feels that feels appropriate. I mean, now that you are not sort of like work obligated to follow the, the you know, the, the goings on, is that kind of how it's going to be for you? You're going to watch White Sox and whatever happens? Or you? Uh, well, I would say that's how it was for me last season when I was truly not work obligated. Now that I'm doing some fill-in stuff, I think I gotta at least keep a side eye on the uh, local nine. The other, the the actual local the nine, one, I probably I was don't say, just have the to one local keep nine, an not, eye on, not, but both, the, not both the local nines. The uh, local nine on the west side of the bay, uh, I think, is something I would be well served to keep abreast of. I just that you know. 
I wish the A's were relevant, but somehow I don't think they even are here in the Bay Area right now. No, no, it's a shame. Too much they- damage has been done by ownership, I think. And I feel really bad for the fans because uh, they're generally pretty good fans, I think. And I think they have shown that they are good fans time and time again when the team is invested in and has anything resembling uh, sustainable success. But, yeah, no, I think it's clearly a case where the baseball administration has been kind of asleep at the wheel as to what's happening. I think in- it's worse than that, but yeah, we don't need to get into it. Um, yeah. At best, the the kindest interpretation is asleep at the wheel. Because yeah. um, it is a shame, and that, and that was a place where baseball clearly worked, and so the idea to say that it can't now, it's, I, don't, I don't get it. You know, yeah, it's I, dumb. Just, yeah, I don't get it. So. Uh, but the team now needs to move. You know what I mean? Or be sold. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, I mean, it's been sold a couple times since there were problems, right? That hasn't really changed a lot. Not really. And the guy who owns it now doesn't have a crap load of money. Well, you know, it I mean? hasn't entirely been – it hasn't really been sold, though. Whatever. The, the, we, it's a long, It's a deep, ugly rabbit hole to get into. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a bad deal, and it seems like they'll probably end up moving. But uh, you never know. Where are you on the, uh, you know, if there's one baseball writ large story, right? It's all the innovation. Um, Love it. Love it. Love Love it. I'm still a little annoyed with the shift rules. Uh, But everything else I'm I'm good with. My opinion of this has changed. Because my thought always was friggin' hit it the other way then. Um. But I think I reached a point as a consumer where, like, the truest expression of skill came to matter less to me than the entertainment value of the product I was watching, which is to say the lack of balls in play, the lack of action in Major League Baseball reached such a drastic level that I would prefer to restrict Because, like, we can tell them to hit it the other way, but they don't. They just don't. And I think there is now enough evidence to suggest it is not an adjustment hitters are either interested in or able to make. Right, but that's just interest. Like, I don't know. To me, it's too too paternalistic to start telling people that you can't stand here in in the field of play. No, I mean, I I hear that. But also, uh, you know, there are more or less rules about at least to an extent where you can stand in plenty of sports you know it's yeah but none of existed here and even i know but it's not so antithetical to like competitive sport that it's unreasonable to me i i hear you and and i used to agree with you but I you think know, at the end of the day, it's still hit them where they ain't. You know what I mean? Yes, but I also think baseball was in crisis. And <laughs> right, but I think the, a lot of the crisis is not necessarily about the shift or lack of offense or whatever. And again, oh, that's I, just stuff hitters not being interested in going the other way. Uh, the time thing, which they have addressed, and a little bit the base running thing. I think, I think, I think a lot of the other changes I'm here for, and I think are good and helpful. You know what I mean? But the time thing is a much bigger deal to me in terms of 
lack of interest in the game. Well, than the shit. I actually think the time thing and the the balls in play thing are the same thing. Because to me, the issue was never length of game. As lots of people have pointed out, football games are longer than baseball games. Um, you know, and and as I that's an issue too. By the way, in college, it's a really big issue that they're working on. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it hasn't hurt the viewership that much. I would argue other things have hurt it more. Um, certainly, it hasn't hurt NFL viewership. But the bigger point to me is like the difference between three an an average game of three hours and five minutes and an average game of two hours and fifty minutes is like truly negligible when it comes to people deciding whether they're going to watch fundamentally it's not the length of time you're right like it's not the length of time it's the standing around that's right and to me ultimately i don't know what the direct addition of time standing around was based on the shift but the feeling of nothing happening in a baseball game is dramatically affected by a lack of extra base hits because extra base hits are the most exciting plays in baseball, not home runs, but doubles and triples and the shift specifically limited doubles and triples. So I think that had a huge effect on the feeling of boredom when watching baseball personally yeah to, you see to me it's the stepping out of the box on the crotch grabbing and all that stuff that's that too that the cul- that's the culprit that too I mean? and that shit's gone which is great yeah i mean it is gone there is no time for any of that nonsense yeah yep and i think you fix that and you're fine that's and i will say like i have a little bit of sympathy for the dinosaurs right now because it does feel fast like you really feel it in a way that i wasn't totally expecting and I love it, but I have a little sympathy for someone who is, like, jarred. I do think you will get used to it pretty quickly, and in the long run, it's going to be a great thing. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I, I have some sympathy for the announcers who uh, are gonna <laughs> have to completely change the rhythm of how they call a game. Yeah, they do uh, have to change the rhythm, but also, you know, I think most baseball games had an easy 25 minutes of cuttable material. <laughs> hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Probably some of the less of these guys getting into trouble. You know what I mean? Hopefully. Well, maybe not. Hopefully I'm, I'm split on that. Like you hate to see bigoted, awful things said through a bullhorn, <laughs> but at the same time, like I like getting those guys the hell out of here. <laughs> getting just enough uh, rope yeah. to hang themselves. Hopefully they still will. Yeah. Oh, and it's four one. There's a drive to left field and uh, yeah, back to my apology. <laughs> <laughs> That's a homer for Castellanos. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> all right. I think we're done here, right? Did we do homework? We we covered all the we homework. We did homework. Yeah, all we're right. done. Okay, we're bye. Done. Bye, Castellanos. <laughs> this game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.